This is Alex and Al Coast to Coast, a show dedicated to exploring insurance news, topics, and trends shaping the market today. Here are your hosts, Alex Littlejohn and Al Tobin. Welcome to the Alex and Al podcast, Coast to Coast. We are bringing today some really incredible insight into the industry and a very special guest, Michael Chang from Sampo. Before we introduce Michael and get onto our meat of our podcast, Al, what's happening in the market? Yeah, hey Alex, uh, great to be here and uh, welcome to all our customers, colleagues and industry peers. Been an interesting thing in the past uh, 60 days or so. We've had the hurricane season start, uh, not been so quiet, but I think different than other years, we're, we're looking west now towards some of the cyclones. I know a few folks that have invested in real estate in Hawaii, uh, I would be a little concerned right now. Uh, hopefully that they don't see any activity there. Keeping eyes on that, as always, we're keeping close eyes on the Atlantic Basin and any activity on the East Coast of the USA. Some numbers came out the other day, which I found intriguing. Uh, surplus lines carriers have reported a significant uptick in premium year over year, better than a 20% increase, which is you know quite significant. It, it talks to the market in a lot of ways, and it talks to a lot of different products outside of normal property and casualty. So I expect that you'll see some activity this week in the brokerage world, where you might see some uh, wholesale brokers try and monetize that activity and the great results that they've had due to it. Uh, we're going to keep our eye on that for the for the balance of the week and and the balance of the month. And uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't once again talk about the folks in down in Miami, the loss of life and the the concerns that have that have shocked America, and and they will definitely have some repercussions to the insurance industry. And we might touch upon that uh, with with Mr. Chang. And I totally agree with you and thoughts out to everybody in the Miami area. It was an unbelievable sight to see. I think it's going to be an unbelievable aftermath in the marketplace. So absolutely spot on. I do want to introduce Michael in most circles doesn't need a big introduction because most people know him. He's the chief executive officer of Sampo Global Risk Solutions. He assumed that role back in 2016. And they've just got an incredible story. We want to hear more about what a phenomenal record you've achieved, Michael. And you know, we work with you every single day and thankful to do that. A lot of fun. A lot of laughs and a lot of tough negotiations are always to be had. <laughs> but again, thanks for being with us, Mike. Thank you, Alex. And I appreciate you inviting me to speak. And I'm looking forward to this dialogue. Super. So let's uh, let's just get right into it, Michael. Your operation has been very successful. You've had some significant growth. And clearly, we're in a, a, been in a little bit of a changing marketplace of real estate for the past couple of years, especially if you narrow into some of the tougher tougher class areas there. How, how would you say, you know, what's been a big differentiator for Sampo in, in the market that we're currently in and for the past couple of years? And, you know, of course, everybody's going to want to know eventually, Michael, where you see things going. Yeah, thanks, Al. I mean, look, we're, we're coming into this marketplace trading just in a very different way. We have an integrated industry vertical model, which is different. It's unique. It's not like our competitors. When you look at underwriting claims, risk control, actuary, product development, and all the pieces that you would think in a, in a normal insurance company, typically they're siloed. They're not brought under one leadership. We've brought it under one leadership. So when we make a promise to our client, we can deliver on it across all of our functional areas and underwriting areas. And then we've been able to execute on the talent, right? Everything we've been able to do in a pretty short period of time 
is all because of the people we've brought on board. It's a diverse group of people that really understand this business inside and out. We have a specialist model. We're not generalists. And at the end of the day, we really come back to how do we position ourselves with those products and services, and we have a white glove service model, to be able to win. And that customer experience, no matter where you go across the globe, whether it's in our operations in the U.S., in Mexico, in Europe, in Africa, or in now uh, the Asia Pacific, the feel is the same and that customer experience is the same. The model we've brought is pretty simple. We're not trying to be a traditional insurance carrier. Actually, if you want a traditional insurance carrier, we're not your market. If you want creative approaches like structured deals and integrated deals, and really a company that listens to your concerns as a client or as an agent in the broker, and then can partner with you to craft specified solution account by account, because every account has its own unique characteristics and it's different. It isn't all real estate accounts are the same or all hospitality accounts are the same. Then you should be coming to sample global risk solutions because that's what we do. Individual account underwriting and crafting of designs that fit that specific customer. You mentioned the unique differentiators. And with the significant change in the market today, I mean, what clients have been facing really with the volatility in the market, I think you tell a different story. You've got some unique differentiators, um, and you mentioned them a little bit, the structured programs, integrated programs. So what could our listeners learn about the benefits of these programs? What brought you to build them and why they are good for clients? When we look at traditional real estate accounts and hotel accounts, let's focus there for a second. They've always said for loan covenant reasons or tenant requirement reasons, they've had to have, they've had to have first dollar policies. So what we had to do was create a unique way to give them first dollar equivalents, but using alternative risk transfer mechanisms to be able to provide that. So therefore, from an allocation standpoint, there's no challenges compared to a first dollar program, but at the same token or same point in time, it allows that client to be able to, based on their strong risk management controls and based on premiums to where they've gotten to, being able to get some money back. Traditionally in our marketplace, you've only been able to get that in sort of workers' comp programs. But in this case, we've been able to do it across multiple lines of business where if the client really is driving great loss mitigation techniques across their portfolio of properties, they can share in some of that potential profit that we would get because they would get some of that back through the mechanisms that we've set up. And I think that's really given us a strategic edge and advantage because clients are paying a lot more money and they want, they want to make sure that if everything is operating a lot better than what our targets are, there is an opportunity for them to get some of that back and apply it to future years or apply it to getting or, or getting that money back holistically right there at that point in time. And I think that's a huge differentiator we've been able to sell. And we've done a tremendous amount of these programs. So Michael, with that said, based on the historically clients wanting to buy first dollar coverage, I mean, I could say that 15, 20 years ago, when we started bringing some of the property clients on the real estate side into just general aggregate deductibles, they really weren't very comfortable going from their 10,000, 25,000 to 100,000. And in aggregate, where it just made a lot of sense from an arithmetic or an actuarial perspective. 
Can you explain, Michael, why you guys have just been incredibly successful versus the competition in these alternative deals? I mean, there is an education process you have to go through. And, and how do you guys differentiate yourselves in that regard on the education of customers to buy these, just so they'd say, property and casualty integrated deals? Yeah, because we know the space, right? We're dealing against a lot of generalist insurance companies that really aren't technical experts in real estate, right? It's really understanding the difference between REITs and funds and private real estate and understanding then how do you craft a solution that is palatable for each and every one of those types of different constructs. So when we've done it, right, it's a funded mechanism, no different than a guaranteed cost, right? If it's equivalent in sort of price to a guaranteed cost program, but you're paying some of that in in, in a depleting cash account, um, which is a funded program, which you can call an aggregate program, and a portion of that in premium, and it adjusts very similar to a first dollar program, X of a 10,000 or X of a $25,000 AOP deductible, it works the same way. So technically, there's not much difference. It's just being able to explain it to a client so they understand it. And they're like, oh, aha, that does work for us. It works the same exact way. And I think a lot of people just don't understand the space enough, to be honest with you, to be able to explain it to a very sophisticated buyer and client that really needs it to be explained not only to their CEO and CFO, but to their general counsel that really at the end of the day needs to be able to explain it to the lenders that provide uh, loan covenants to them or the tenants. And I think if you're able to explain it in an intelligent manner and you're able to do it compliantly on the insurance side and compliantly for them to meet their obligations with their covenants, then that's why we've been successful. So it's really understanding and that's why we're a specialist underwriter in the six verticals that we do. But in this case, we're talking about really two. If you're really able to understand the business, then you can really explain what it is you're trying to push forward and why it makes sense for them. And it still fits their needs. And in a volatile market that we've been in over the last couple of years, certainly this is a way to bring stability because you have more control. Um, And it would seem that instead of riding the price ride up and down with the risk assumption and the ability to participate in a program like this, you'd gain some stability over on the onset and over time, I, I, I would think which is a great selling point to clients that have been on that roller coaster over the last several years. Look, Alex, we're we're in the capital lending business, right? Each and every day we extend our capital and we intend to make a return on it. That's what we do as insurance. It really is a financial mechanism that we put out there and we intend to make a certain return. Clients will feel that if they have alternatives and there's different ways they would rather bet on themselves. They believe in their risk management controls. They believe in their contractual controls. They believe that their properties are top-notch, depending on what type of real estate it is. A core fund is going to bet a lot, probably more on themselves than an opportunistic fund. But at the end of the day, if you feel comfortable with your controls and your, your management team, your asset management team, you're going to take bets and you're going to say, you know what, I can hedge some of that risk. And by the way, now I have a carrot at the end that if I do this right, I get some of my money back. And it's not putting me in a negative position versus a straight traditional program, $10,000 deductible, $25,000 deductible, if we're just talking about aggregate funded programs. So why wouldn't you hedge that bet? There's no downside. Absolutely. Are you looking at, I know, I think I read, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, 
that you know you will write over your own in the in lead umbrella positions and tell us a little bit about limits and and where you're willing to go when assuming writing over your own programs but is that changed are you the outlook on that market has been is still poor it's been poor and so how are you viewing that market as it relates to writing over your own you've got a lot of confidence in the programs that you've put out and obviously you have a lot of confidence in in the clients that you're offering capacity to so how does that translate into the umbrella market and specifically over your own programs yeah look we've taken a big step forward very interested in writing lead umbrellas over where we write the gl and the auto We're comfortable with our claims handling procedures. We're comfortable with the underlying underwriting that we've done on those risks. And because of that, we have no problem extending our umbrella capacity. We will depend on limit size, really is driven by the occupancy types that we do on the primary uh, GL and and on the auto. So limits really depend. We can do five, we do 10, we do the 15. It just depends on the individual deal and what we're looking at. But we do offer umbrellas only over our support and business within Sample Global Risk Solutions. That's important to know. But we are doing that in a big way today. And you would go up to 15, but no more than 15 million. Yeah, I would say for the most part, that is our rule of thumb in terms of what we're looking at. Michael, from a COVID perspective, the past year and a half has been very challenging for us all. So what I'm looking for here is, us being New York guys, right? We're Alex and Al coast to coast. You know, we're very used to sitting down, you know, with a customer, dry erase board in hand, sometimes a PowerPoint presentation. How do you grade the communication in this COVID times with, with customers and especially you because you're you're seeing a whole lot of new business? How's how's that working for, for Sample right now? Look, I think the industry has done a really good job transitioning into whatever vehicle you have, WebEx, Zoom, whatever your vehicle is or medium for doing that. So I think that that piece has been connected. You're still getting the information. You're able to have a conversation. I think what is missing is the shaking of hands, breaking bread, and and really getting to know the person on the other end. Right? We not only underwrite the account, we underwrite the people at the firm. And I would hope that our clients have underwritten us, right? And and what our knowledge is, what our results are, and then also consider cross and judge us. Is that somebody I want to trade with, right? We trade not just on the account, we trade with people that we trust and we believe are of the utmost integrity. And sometimes you can't get that from a Zoom call or a conference call. That requires an in-person meeting. That being said, I do believe there's brokers and agents that we've had longstanding relationships with or consultant firms that we've had longstanding relationships with that reach out to us. And if they reach out to us and they have a customer and they know us and we know them and we've already underwritten them, then we're comfortable with that. We, we believe that that relationship transcends into the customer themselves. No, we're still going to meet with them on a, on a video call. And then at some point now, we're actually getting out and actually physically meeting with our customers again in a big way and, and our new customers. So I, I think we haven't really lost a ton of steps. We're growing significantly, but we're growing with the customers and the brokers and the agents that we have familiarity with. And that's the key. Could we be doing more if we were out there and visiting other people we may have taken a step back and said no to? Maybe, but I think the ones that we've written 
and we've grown with and the customers that we retain, which is our most important is our customers we're currently on. They're always going to be our most important. We feel very good about it. our retention rates are very high in the high 90s. And, you know, I think we look at our business too holistically. 86% of our customers, we do more than one line of business for. And I think that's our differentiating point. But we also have claims. We also have risk control. We have numerous touch points we have with our clients, which really make us uh, the market of choice when you think about the industry verticals we set. Michael, we appreciate your insight and obviously your time. And so we want you to be able to also comment on anything that you see happening or that we should be aware of or buyer bewares out there. (laughs) We try to be as transparent as we can. So before we close off, I will just leave it to you for anything else you'd like to add. Yeah, just one thing I can say, look, this industry is ripe for change. There's been so many things historically done a certain way. Some good, some not good. And I think it's incumbent on us to lead SOPO Global Risk Solutions to do things different from a risk control standpoint, to do things different from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, to do things different from an underwriting structure standpoint. And if we're going to be that market that can be unique and be different and come at it in a different way to increase the customer experience, that's what Sample Global Risk Solutions is all about. That's why we were started. That was the sort of hallmark on how we came together. It's just a different approach to doing this business. And I think that will resonate for us for a very long period of time. And we're never going to rest on our laurels and become a status quo market. We're going to continue to evolve and change our model where it makes sense based on the feedback we get directly from our customers. That's who we are and that's what we'll continue to be. And we're the market of the future. Listen, I couldn't agree with you more on so many of those points. And one in particular is obviously the change needed in this market from a diversity and inclusion perspective. I've said it many times that this industry is a pathetic view of how it could be. And I think that we could spend so much more of our time doing all the right things to grow in the diversity space. So thank you for for being a leader in that because I know how actively involved you are. And it takes time and it takes effort, desire. It's a great thing that we all should take more time to do. So appreciate that. And Al, we are working on our next guest, which will be a surprise. We'll have a great lineup for you guys. And again, Michael, want to thank you for the time. It was terrific to hear your insight. Thank you for listening to this episode of Alex and Al Coast to Coast. For more information, visit us at www.alliant.com.